This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, my main man Joe Shuda has another Rush Friday feature in the 8 o'clock hour as he catches up with former Pitt and NFL linebacker Troy Benson. The Wizards have another chance to clinch a playoff spot tonight, and they need to win because the Bulls won't go away. You can add yet another COVID case to the Yankees. And the Tom Brady return to New England, the hype train has already gone off the rails. And it's only mid-May. All that and more coming up in the next two hours of the Morning Rush. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out. As we kick off yet another essential work day, wrapping up yet another essential work week. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. We got some Twitter pages. Uh, One name will be changing here shortly. At ESPN Morning Rush. At Rush Tony C. Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All of those pages, free and open to the public, like them, follow them, at any time you want to get involved, drop me a line, send me a message on any of those pages. Also, taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance on this funky Friday. Shamo, 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, minus commercials, just for you. All right. Let's kick off today's show as we kick off every single show with a rock around the region. I want to rock! And we start with Major League Baseball where the Nationals were trying to avoid getting swept by the Phillies. And the pitch swung on, belted to deep right field. Way, way, way out of here. Good, goodbye. A tremendous home run. Hit of the second deck in section 240. Zoom goes Bell. Charlie slows the call on the Nationals radio network. Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber each with a two-run home run as the Nats beat the Phils. 5-1 in Washington. Patrick Corbin, great start for him. He allowed just the one run and struck out a season-high nine for the Nats. Elsewhere, the Pirates and Giants Kicked off a four-game series at PNC Park. A one-two pitch. Broken bat hit to right, and Polanco can't get it. He falls down as it falls into the corner. Posey's in easily. Yastrzemski around second. Heading to third. The relay is late. He's in with a two-out triple. Three straight two-out hits have yielded three San Francisco runs, and the Giants lead 3-0. The call on the Pirates radio network. 3-1 the final as San Fran takes game one of the four-game set, uh, there was a one memorable moment uh, for the Pirates. Craig sends one deep out to right and gone! Well, Craig homers for his first major league hit. 
and gets the Pirates on the board here in the eighth. There you go. Will Craig just called up from AAA Indianapolis, goes yard for his first major league hit for the Bucks. Congrats to him. Uh, Orioles were off on Thursday. They open a weekend series tonight at home against the Yankees. In high school baseball, Bryce Snyder had an RBI single, which proved to be the game winner as Mountain Ridge beat Southern 3-2. Elsewhere, Frankfurt lost a Muscleman 12-7. Brady Whitaker, two doubles, a single, and three RBI for uh, Frankfurt. High school softball, Northern improved to 8-0 with a 25-8 win over Heinemann. And in the NBA tonight, the Wizards can once again clinch the 10th and final playoff spot in the East with a win over Cleveland in D.C. The Cavaliers have lost six straight games on the road. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Kappa Rally Group. So uh, we'll stay with that game here just for a second. Big game, huge game for the Wizards against the Cavs. When you consider that the Bulls beat the Raptors last night to stay within striking distance of Washington for that 10th and final playoff spot. Uh, Chicago beat Toronto 114-102 to remain two games behind the Wiz for that spot with only two games left. Now, Washington is still in pretty good shape. The magic number is still one. All right, so all they have to do is win one more game or have the Bulls lose one more to clinch at least the 10th spot. And as we talked about yesterday, the Wizards have the Cavs at home tonight. Then they wrap up the regular season at home Sunday against Charlotte. The Bulls have a much tougher finish to the season. They have to play at the Nets tomorrow and then host the Bucks on Sunday night. So while Washington gets to play the 8th and 11th place teams this weekend, the Bulls have to play numbers 2 and 3. And both Brooklyn and Milwaukee will have something to play for. The Nets are only a game behind Philly for the top spot in the East, and the Bucks are two games back. So Chicago could more than likely expect both of those teams' best efforts uh, this weekend. Now, the Wizards can make it all a moot point just by winning one of the last two. And they can even move up into the 8 or 9 spot if they win both games because they trail Charlotte and Indiana by just one game. Now, unfortunately for Washington, they will once again be without Bradley Bill tonight. He will miss his third straight game with a uh, that hammy issue. Now, it would be nice if Washington had him, obviously. I mean, he averages 31 points a game. But they could still take care of business against a Cleveland team that, as I mentioned in the Rock Around the Region, they've lost six straight games on the road. This season, they are 9-25 and in away games. 9-25. and Cavs are 1-9 in their last 10 games. During that stretch... Their opponents are averaging 118 points a game on nearly 51% shooting. 
Now, Beal or No Beal, wasn't that a wasn't that a game show or something? Uh, the Wizards should be able to put they, they should be able to score tonight. All right, again, it would be nice to have Bradley Beal in his thirty-one points again. But they Russell Westbrook. They should still be able to score on that sorry defense of the Cavaliers, and it would really behoove them to take care of business tonight because you don't know you don't want to go into Sunday in a must-win situation against a Hornets team that already has beaten you twice this season. Now, because of that, regardless of what happens on Sunday, Charlotte has the tiebreaker over Washington head-to-head. So if the Wizards want any chance of moving up to that eight spot, they have to win their last two and hope the Hornets lose their last two, which, of course, would include a loss to the Wizards on Sunday. Now, Washington has already beaten Indiana three times this season, so they have the tiebreaker over the Pacers. So it's more likely, if Washington is to move up, that they'll move into that ninth spot instead of the eighth spot, which means they'll at least get to host that 9-10 playing game. So still a lot of things to figure out heading into the final weekend of the NBA regular season in both conferences. But in particular, since we're talking about the Wizards, we're talking about the East. Because you got the Sixers, the Bucks, the Nets jockeying for one, two, and three. And then you have the Pacers, the Hornets, and the Wizards jockeying for eight, nine, ten. The Celtics, even though they've been pretty terrible lately, I think they're comfortable in the seven spot. So we could be sitting here Monday at a new time, by the way, which I'll get to here in just a second. We could be sitting here Monday talking about the Wizards either playing at Boston in the 7-8 game or talk about them hosting either the Pacers or the Hornets in the 9-10 game or them playing at either the Hornets or the Pacers in the 9-10 game. A lot of things to figure out in the final three days of the season. Very exciting. And again, I'm not the greatest NBA guy. I'm not an NBA guy at all. But since Washington is the closest team we have, right? It's got to be the closest team. It's nowhere, nowhere even close. Phil, now, Philly's too far away. We talk about the Wizards, and so we give you a little, little scoop, a little information, a little 411 on what's going down with the Wiz. So let's get into this real quick. For those of you uh, who don't know, I, I've been dropping hints right, left and right here for the past, I don't know, week or so or whatever, probably longer than that. We have some significant changes coming up to the station starting on Monday. And I really didn't want to, you know, give out too much because I I still had to get you know, all the ducks in a row, so to speak, to be ready for the launch. So starting Monday, we will no longer be uh, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All right, that name is going away, and we will simply be WCMD. Those are our call letters. Okay, every station across the country has call letters. We will be the. It's going to be the all new WCMD, News Talk Sports. Okay, that's that's the deal starting on Monday. And what we're doing 
is we are going to infuse, if you haven't figured out by the tagline, <laughs> more news and more talk into the station. Trying to become, I don't know, a more well-rounded station. So it's not going to be basically an all-sports station anymore. Now, we'll still have my show on. We'll still have ESPN programming probably from mid-afternoon on. We'll still have the Nationals. We'll still have the Ravens. We'll still have NFL Prime. We'll still have all the sports stuff that we've had before. Just changing things up a little bit. So starting on Monday, just so you don't tune in Monday and you're like, what the heck's going on here? There's a new show from 5 to 6. You want to get your national, your, your worldly news fix? It's a show called America in the Morning. It'll air right before me from 5 to 6 in the a.m. Then I'm getting moved. I'm the, this Today's my last day, 7 to 9. I'm getting moved to 6 to 8. All right? Let's try to follow along here if you can. So America in the morning, 5 to 6. I am back starting at 6. I'll be 6 to 8. Which I know will make some people happy. Because I heard from when we made the switch from six to nine, from seven to eight, I heard from a few folks. Because really, like their best listening window was in the six o'clock hour. So they'll be happy. So after me, at eight o'clock, there's a brand new show. Our news director, Amanda Mangan, you hear her news updates on the show all the time. She now has her own show. It'll be a two hour show called Tri State Today, where she will talk about, have interviews with uh, local folks, more on the news, political level. You you follow me? Non-sports stuff to try to simplify. And then we roll right into talk line with Hoppy Kirchival from 10. He's been on this show or this station forever from 10 to noon. And then we roll on from there. So a lot of changes, particularly in the morning, Starting this Monday, just so you know, so I don't we don't catch you by surprise. So you don't tune in and you're like, what am I did I tune into the right station? I know change is hard. Nobody likes change. And we get comfortable, right? We 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 get set in our ways. And change can be upsetting, change can be, you know, hard at first. Trust me, getting this thing ready for Monday hasn't been easy. But that's why they pay me the big bucks. (laughs) Anyway, so starting Monday, one more time, for those of you in the back who couldn't hear, 5 to 6, America in the Morning, new show. 6 to 8, this show. 8 to 10, Tri-State Today, new show. All right, 10 to 12, new show. And then after that, there's a possibility There's a possibility that we have another show, like another news show from like noon to three, something to fill the midday, like another syndicate. We're, work, we're working on it. So, so trust me when I say this, Mondays won't be the, the last changes to the show. Won't be the last changes. Hopefully, we'll adapt to it, we'll adjust to it, and we'll embrace the changes and hopefully it'll work. Uh, I got a text message here from Jim. Uh, streaming soon. Working on that as well. Working on that. I've been pushing for that since, I don't know, it's been forever. Hopefully, 
Hopefully within the next, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing at this point. Next couple months, we'll be able to stream our stuff online because right now we can't. Which, of course, would increase our audience, would allow folks not in the listening area to listen. So hopefully along with all these changes comes the ability to stream online and pick up the shows on your phone. All, all that stuff that a lot of stations can do these days. So to answer your question, Jim, hopefully. Not exactly sure when. Not That's the one thing that I can't tell you. Because that kind of stuff, out of my hands. Not in my control. I can only push forward. And hopefully, you know, we get it done. So there you go. I just want to lay it out there. And I'll, I'll lay it out again in 8 o'clock hour for those, you know, who aren't listening right now. Because listenership usually changes every 10 to 12 minutes. That's, that's usually uh, how radio works. So expect some changes with some good changes. Just kind of give you a little bit of everything now. So it's not all, you know, all sport. Like I said, Hoppy's been on this station forever. Hoppy was really, since I've been here, Hoppy the, was the only non-sports show on this station. And I've been here since... Too long. Uh, nine years now? I can't remember. It all runs together after a while. But now we're expanding our horizons, right? Getting into more news, more political stuff. Again, just trying to be a, a well-rounded a station. So, today, after today, Cumberland's ESPN Radio will cease to exist. And then come Monday, get ready for the all-new WCMD News Talk Sports. All right, uh, we got news coming up here in just a bit. Speaking of which, when we come back, uh, the Yankees are still having some COVID issues. And I'm still shocked at how many people don't know how vaccines work. Stick around for that. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, (gasps) Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. The Yankees, who open up a weekend series tonight at the Orioles, uh, the Yankees continue to deal with what they are calling an aggressive COVID-19 variant as they placed a shortstop, Glaber Torres, on the uh, COVID injured list, meaning he'll be out for at least 10 days, so obviously he won't be in the lineup this weekend against the O's. Torres is the eighth confirmed COVID case within the Yankees organization this week. But he's the first player to test positive uh, over that stretch. The first seven cases have been among uh, the Yankees, you know, coaching and support staff. And I know eight is a high number, but yesterday... Uh, was the first day that they didn't receive any positive tests. So manager Aaron Boone says hopefully uh, his team will, will is moving in the right direction. We've been concerned every day. I guess there is still concern. I think the one positive right now for us is that today was the first 
day of no new cases, of no new. So all saliva tests from yesterday that have come back in today uh, were all negative, and that's the first day that that's happened. I hope is good news and hopefully means we're moving in the right direction. Certainly we won't know that for sure, obviously. Uh, we, we will get some PCR testing back uh, later this evening as well, and then obviously more saliva test results tomorrow where hopefully we continue to have no no new positives and start to move move in, a, in the right direction and out of this. Now, the Yankees had relaxed some of their COVID-19 restrictions because they had reached the 85% vaccination plateau kind of set forth by Major League Baseball. So if your team is at least 85% vaccinated, you can kind of relax a little. Now, they're, <laughs> after eight positive tests, they're tightening up those restrictions once again. And what makes this Torres situation uh, situation interesting, it kind of raised some eyebrows, is that he already had COVID during the offseason. And he was reportedly he reportedly got very sick from it. So this is the second time that he's tested positive in the last year. And this second time around was after he was fully vaccinated. As a matter of fact, all eight of the people within the Yankees organization who tested positive were already fully vaccinated. Now, it is worth noting that all eight are symptom-free but they just continue to test positive. And uh, Aaron Boone said that all eight received the Johnson & Johnson one-shot deal, which has a much lower efficacy rate. Did I pronounce that right? Efficacy? Yeah. Than the uh, Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. The efficacy rates, it almost feels like I'm going to say a bad word when I say efficacy. (laughs) The rates for Pfizer and Moderna are around 94, 95%. Johnson and Johnson is around 70%. And when the story broke yesterday, when the Yankees announced that Torres tested positive again, it blew my mind when I went on the socials to find out how many people still don't quite know or understand how vaccines work. All the information that has become available over the last year plus, and there were still so many people screaming, see, vaccines don't work. These people were vaccinated. How could they possibly get sick again? Now, look, first things first. Nobody has ever come out and said these vaccines are 100% effective. Okay, Moderna never said it, Pfizer never said it, J&J never said it. There's always a chance to get sick again. Always a chance. Do you know how many, I don't know the exact number, I'd have to assume it's in the thousands. You know how many people get a flu shot each year and still get the flu? It's happened to me several times. Just because you get the shot doesn't mean that you're not going to get sick. And it, it, it was staggering how many people just don't understand that. Like the fact that Torres or these, you know, all eight Yankees 
got vaccinated, but then tested positive. Like it was, it blew people's mind. Like they couldn't believe it. Well, I thought they were vaccinated. Yeah, but you can still get it. And the flu shot is only like 40 to 60% effective during flu season. And while that may not sound like a lot, you got to understand that this is according to the CDC. In 2019-2020, the flu shot prevented an estimated 105,000 flu-related hospitalizations. It prevented an estimated 7.5 million flu illnesses. It prevented 3.7 million flu-related medical visits and 6,300 flu-associated deaths. The thing to remember with the COVID vaccines as well as the flu vaccine, while they could help prevent you from getting sick, they could help prevent you from getting the illness, they have a better chance of protecting you from the serious symptoms that could send you to the doctor, land you in the hospital, or God forbid, even worse than that. The vaccines aren't full protection, and nobody is, to my knowledge, nobody has ever said that they were. But they can reduce serious illness and serious symptoms because they help your body fight off the illness. That's why I believe, look, I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on the radio. That's why I believe the eight positive tests with the Yankees are showing no symptoms whatsoever because they were all vaccinated. Now, there's a chance that they weren't vaccinated that they will still show no symptoms. But it's also a pretty good chance that maybe one or two would if they weren't vaccinated. Look, I got vaccinated. All right, I got the Moderna, the two-shot deal. And I know full well there's a chance that I could still get COVID even after getting vaccinated. I understand that fully and completely. And this, of course, is something that you worry about. But I can also sit here and tell you that I feel real comfortable that if I do get it, there's a pretty good chance that I won't get seriously ill and it won't kill me. Now, could it? Sure. Because nothing is 100% effective. But you know what? I like my chances. I like my chances now that I'm vaccinated. That if I get it, I'm not going to die. And it amazes me how many people just don't get that. It sucks that Glaber Torres tested positive for COVID again. But, again, that's going to happen. Just like we get more than one cold, we get the flu more than once, and on and on and on. If people think that the COVID vaccines were meant to fully protect people from ever getting COVID, I don't know where they're getting their information from because it's wrong. <laughs> it's just wrong. I was I was stunned. And I, I didn't get into it. I didn't, there, Lord knows I wanted to reply to so many people 
who were just beside themselves. Like they they couldn't fathom how how was it possible? How could Torres how could he possibly get sick when he got vaccinated? How could these people pop? It's like pay you not paying attention to anything. Yes, it's possible to get sick again, but your chances of getting seriously sick from it they go down because they're vaccinated. That's how that's how they work. Like I said before, we go to break here. Do I worry about getting sick? Sure, I do. Especially I'm getting up there in age a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, I worry about still getting it. But I don't worry that it's going to kill me. Is that naive? Maybe. Is that foolish? I don't know. But I feel comfortable knowing that if I get COVID, that it's not going to kill me, that I'm not going to, I'm not going to land in a hospital, that I'm not going to get seriously ill. And I, I, can, I can easily and comfortably say that. There are a lot of things out there that have, that's the way I feel about it now. And I could be could be dead wrong. There are a lot of things out there in this world that have a better chance of killing me than COVID right now. Since I'm back. That, that's how I feel about it. Now, some people think I'm crazy. Some people think that I'm naive about it. So be it. We all seem to have differing opinions, and we all seem to come at this stuff from different angles. Me getting in my car and driving wherever I'm going today, I got a couple places to go, probably got a better chance of getting killed there than I do getting COVID and dying right now, now that I'm fully vaccinated. I think, point is, before we go to break, the vaccines are working. They're working. Some people will try to tell you they're not, but I think they are, which is why I've encouraged people from day one to get vaccinated. I know a lot of people are against it. A lot of people don't feel like it. And look, it's your life. I'm not going to tell you to do anything. Do what you want to do. But, you know, in case you missed it yesterday, the CDC came out and said, if you're fully vaccinated, that you no longer have to wear a mask in most situations, indoor or outdoor. Now, look, you still got to follow state regulations. You still have, you know, you still just can't. Oh, well, CDC said it, so we had, we, no, 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 no. You still have to follow your local and state governments and the mandates and stuff like that. But the CDC recommended yesterday, if you're fully vaccinated, then you can probably go maskless most places, with the exceptions of, like, hospitals, on buses, on planes, really compact, concentrated areas. So that's why I encourage people to get vaccinated. You want to get rid of these masks? You want to try to get back to a little sense of normalcy? You get the shots, and away we go. Again, if you don't want to, that's on you, right? But we've we, we got to reach a point, right? We got to reach a point eventually where we we got to start moving forward, which I think we are, slowly but surely. And we got to reach a point because I would I would I heard this uh, was a hundred and hundred and seventeen million Americans are fully vaccinated at this point. I, I, it was somewhere around that number. I heard it on uh, one of the other stations in the building. I think it was one hundred and seventeen million. And it's got to get to a point where we say, all right, we have enough. You know, the, I think the federal is like it was like seventy percent or something. Like, they want to get seventy percent before things get fully opened back up. And those that aren't vaccinated, those who choose not to get vaccinated, sorry about your luck. we got to reach that point sooner or later. If that's your choice, if that's what you choose to do, then that's on you. 
You adjust your lives accordingly. Everybody else, it's full steam ahead. It's got to happen sooner or later. So I encourage you, get the shots. All right. One last break of the hour. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, well, something we talked about yesterday. Already gaining steam in the middle of May. Stick around. Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Uh, yesterday, we went over the uh, 2021 NFL schedule, which was released Wednesday night. We looked at some of the marquee matchups of week one and throughout the season. And one of the games that really jumped off the page will go down in week four when Tom Brady returns to New England to take on the Patriots in Foxborough. Now, that game caught a lot of people's attention, obviously, including Brady's dad, Tom Brady Sr., who has been a regular guest on WEEI in Boston for years. The schedule came out last night, and I started salivating when I saw that we play the Patriots in the fourth game of the season. We're coming up here to make our our record 4-0 after the fourth game. So we expect to, to beat the Patriots rather handily, frankly. I think uh, the fans at, at Gillette will embrace them until the opening kickoff. And then they're going to boo the hell out of him, which is great. While he's happy now, I I think he's starting to realize that the end of the career is coming to an end. And he's just savoring every moment as he walks down the final stretches, whether it's next one year, two years, or 12 years. Brady Sr. coming off the top rope with the elbow. He says the Bucs are going to be 4-0 after the fourth game. They'll beat the Patriots rather handily. The old man writing checks that Junior now has the cash. Personally, I don't know why any of us should give a single rip about what some player's dad has to say, but I think it's funny. I think it's really funny that EEI still has Brady Sr. on the show when Junior isn't even playing for the for the Patriots anymore. But the Bucks at the Pats, one of those games that we immediately circled on the schedule. It's a game we look forward to as soon as Brady bolted for Tampa. But, as you can expect, some people have already gone a little bit overboard when talking about Brady versus Belichick, including former New England tight end Jermaine Wiggins, who is a host on WEEI, and he was on with Spain and Fitz. This is the biggest matchup in all of sports history. Don't get it twisted. You're talking about the greatest quarterback of all time versus the greatest coach of all time, the defensive genius in Bill Belichick. And those two guys have had so had more success than any tandem in any sport in history. And they are going to be matching up when they're still kind of at the peak of their performance. Brady's coming off a Super Bowl win. I know Bill had a down year, but you know, as a coach, he's still the best in the business. I don't, I've never seen a matchup like this, and I don't think you can ever find one, and you probably never will find one again. I understand it's a regular season game week four, but the, there's never been, never will, and probably uh, never up to this day will be a matchup that'll be of this type of magnitude. The biggest matchup in all of sports history. 
bro, relax. I mean, come on. It's it's a regular season game in week four. Now, I get the storyline. I get the drama. It feeds into the whole who was more responsible for the Patriots' success, Brady or Bill. I get it. But no game will ever match up to this type of magnitude. I can think of 52 games right off the bat. They're called the Super Bowl. I would think those games, a little you know, greater magnitude. Or how about the 104 conference title games that have been played to get to the Super Bowl? I think those games, slightly greater magnitude than a week four matchup between an old coach and an old quarterback. I get it. I understand it. It's going to be a really, really big deal in New England, which is why tickets to that game already in high demand. Mike Reese covers the Patriots for ESPN. We have opportunity across the board. Some in the local ticket industry say this could be the most coveted regular season ticket in the history of Boston sports. Look, the Patriots want to make it an opportunity for fans to shower Brady with appreciation and say thank you. So they'll do that on a night that Brady could potentially pass Drew Brees into the number one spot in the all-time regular season passing list. And finally, opportunity for the Patriots. Look at their schedule. Three of the first four at home. Five of the first seven at home. The chance for them to get off to a fast start. Ticket prices for the game are already going from anywhere between $1,300 and $12,000 on Ticketmaster. 12,000 bucks. I wouldn't pay that much for a Super Bowl ticket, let alone a week four regular season game. And it's only mid-May. I mean, just imagine. Just imagine how fast the hype train's going to be moving when we actually get to the regular season. We got ticket prices in the 12,000 buck range. We got guys talking about this game being the greatest matchup in the history of, of the world. And it's May 14th. Oh, boy, we like to take something, don't we? And just beat it into the ground. Look, that's gonna be, that is going to be much must-see TV, right? That week four game, no doubt about it. We were all be dialed in, we'll all be tuned in to see if Brady can go up there and beat his old coach. And you know he wants to. You know he wants to. There's no question in my mind that Brady wants to hang 50 points on the old coach at Foxborough. There's no question. But let's, let's you know, let's cool our jets just a little bit. When we're talking about this being the greatest matchup ever. Come on. All right. Hour number one done. Hour number two around the corner doing push-ups. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. But this will be the final time in the Cumberland's ESPN studio. The palatial ESPN studio. Because we're getting a name change come Monday. 
Oh, as if I couldn't have felt worse. Are you are you serious? What's going on here? Is that really did that really happen today, May fourteenth? <laughs> oh, if you're a Penguins fan, I didn't realize today was the David Volick anniversary. Oh my goodness! One of you know we talk about gut punch losses on this show a lot, right? One of the the greatest gut punches ever, as far as Pittsburgh sports goes, was the David Volick game, May 14th, 1993. Oh, I didn't realize. It just just came came across my feet. I had no idea. You have to understand something, that the Penguins were just coming off back-to-back Stanley Cup titles in 91 and 92. That 93 team, or 92-93 team, was probably better than the previous two teams. The two teams that won the Cup back-to-back. That 92-93 team was better than both of them. They were an absolute juggernaut. They had the most points, and they won the President's Trophy, 119 points. Lemieux, had 160 points that season. And he missed a bunch of games because he was getting treatment for Hodgkin's disease. Lemieux, who else was it? It was, uh, they had a bunch. It was uh, Kevin Stevens, I do believe. Ronnie Francis. They had like three or four players that all got over 100 points. They were, they seemed absolutely unstoppable. Like, they seemed well on their way to a third straight Stanley Cup title. That team was ridiculous. And then David Volek happened. The Islanders forced a game seven in that, and it was the first round. It was the first round. I'm sorry, it was second, it was second round, second round, second round. And Game 7 went to overtime, and David Volek scored 5-16 into OT and ended the Penguins' season. And that was one of that was one of the, the, the biggest gut-punch losses you can imagine. It, it ranks up there with the Francisco Cabrera NLCS Game 7 Braves and Pirates. It ranks up there with the the Chargers beating the Steelers in the AFC Championship game with Stan Humphreys at quarterback throwing a touchdown pass to Alfred Papunu and then having that pass knocked down in the end zone. Who was the linebacker? Gibson was his name for the Chargers. Just absolutely, oh, I can't believe that came. I feel sick now. I understand 1993 was a long time ago. But you talk about bringing up some awful emotions and feelings. (laughs) The Islanders had no business beating that Penguins team. None. Anyway, let's move on. It's just a daggone shame that I had to come across that on, on a Friday, no less. Anyway.
Uh, reminder, several ways to get involved on the show. Our Twitter page is at ESPN Morning Rush, at Rush Tony C. Our Facebook page, at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All of those pages, of course, free and open to the public. I'm getting all these text messages. Apparently, uh, things are going to hell in the handbasket in the building here. Apparently, there's all kind of technical stuff going on. Hopefully, it's not affecting uh, this station. I have no idea. <laughs> My main man, Chape and Jewel, hits me up. A little message from Chape. Hardest working man in regional sports. Thanks. You've made us all sick relive, reliving those Pittsburgh losses. Weekend ruined, LOL. Sorry, Chape. I didn't plan on it. Wasn't my intention. I just didn't realize today was the David Volick anniversary. Taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance on this funky Friday. Shamo, 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, minus commercials. You want to go back and check anything out? that you may have missed, it's all right there. So, for instance, if you missed the first hour, we talked about the Wizards, another opportunity, which we'll talk about here shortly in the Rock Around the Region, to clinch a playoff spot tonight. We talked about the Yankees uh, dealing with COVID issues. Glaber Torres testing positive for a second time. And how people simply just don't understand how vaccines work. Some people, anyway. And we talked about the uh, the hype train already going off the tracks for the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick showdown in Week Four of the regular season. So again, all of that coming up, or all that will be on the podcast page uh, later on today. It's not coming up because it's already happened. You know what I mean. All right, uh, reminder coming up here in just a bit. Our Rush Friday feature, uh, Joe Shuda catching up with former Pitt and New York Jets linebacker Troy Benson. But before that, let's rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we'll start with Major League Baseball, where the Nationals were trying to avoid getting swept by the Phillies. And the pitch swung on, belted to deep right field. Way, way, way out of here. Good, goodbye. A tremendous home run. Into the second deck in section 240. Bang! Zoom goes Bell. Charlie Schlows the call on the Nationals radio network. Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber, each with a two-run homer as the Nats beat the Phils 5-1 in Washington. Patrick Corbin, a solid start. He allowed just the one run and struck out a season-high nine for the Nats. Elsewhere, the Pirates and Giants kicked off a four-game series at PNC Park. A 1-2 pitch. Broken bat hit to right, and Polanco can't get it. He falls down as it falls into the corner. Posey's in easily. Yastrzemski around second. Heading to third. The relay is late. He's in with a two-out triple. Three straight two-out hits have yielded three San Francisco runs, and the Giants lead 3-0. Gregory Polanco falling down in right field. That pretty much sums up the Pirates. The call on the Pirates Radio Network 3-1 the final as San Fran takes game one of the four-game set. There was one bright spot for the Bucs last night. Craig sends one deep out to right and gone! 
Will Craig homers for his first major league hit and gets the Pirates on the board here in the eighth. Will Craig just called up from AAA Indianapolis. Homered for his first major league hit. How about that? That's pretty awesome. Again, the only bright spot in yet another loss for the Bucs. Uh, Orioles were off yesterday. They open a weekend series tonight at home against the Yankees. High school baseball, Bryce Snyder had an RBI single, which proved to be the game winner as Mountain Ridge beat Southern 3-2. Elsewhere, Frankfurt lost to Musselman 12-7. Brady Whitaker, uh, two doubles, a single, and a three RBI for Frankfurt. And in high school softball, Northern improved to 8-0 with a 25-8 win over Heinemann. And in the NBA tonight, the Wizards can once again, uh, once again, did I just say once, really? Is that, is that a word? Can once again clinch the 10th and final playoff spot. I'm all, I'm still shook over the David Volek thing. The 10th and final playoff spot in the East with a win over Cleveland in D.C. The Cavs have lost six straight games on the road. They are 9-25 and 25 on the road this season. The Bulls are two games behind the Wizards with two games left to play. So Washington's magic number is still one. So if Washington wins or the Bulls lose this weekend, then the Wizards clinch at least that 10th that spot. Still have a chance to move to the ninth spot and a outside chance to get up to the eighth spot. So the Wizards, again, it will behoove them to handle business tonight, beat a very sorry Cavaliers team. Now, Bradley Bill out again for Washington. He's still, you know, nursing that hammy. But Washington still, they should be good enough to win at home against Cleveland and wrap up that final playoff spot in the East. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you uh, by the Caporale Group. All right, it is Friday, which means it's time for yet another Rush Friday feature with my main man, Joe Shuda. Catch all of Joe's stuff on his website, 2MinuteTO.com. That's the number 2MinuteTO.com. All his long-form stuff, his two-minute timeouts, his short interviews, everything that Joe does on that website. He helps us out every single Friday. Today, he catches up with former Pitt and New York Jets linebacker uh, Troy Benson. So here is Joe Shuda and today's Rush Friday feature. It's time for the Rush Friday feature with Joe Shuda. My guest on the Rush Friday feature was drafted by the New York Jets from the University of Pittsburgh in 1985, spending six years with the Jets organization. Thanks for joining us, Troy Benson. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Joe. It's nice to be here. Most kids figure out at about 15 or 16 years of age if they have above-average athletic ability. What about you? At what point did you say, I think that I'm above-average and maybe I could play college football someday? That's a great question. I don't think it's uh, something that you wake up one day and you figure it out. I think it's a process. I would have to say I was very frustrated when I played junior high football because I wasn't very big. And I had a big growth spurt from 10th grade to 11th grade. And that's when I knew I had a chance to uh, go on to play college football. You look at the emphasis on specializing today, and so many parents foresee their kids as going to get a college scholarship, then they see them in the NFL, and they're still struggling even to be good high school players. What advice do you have to these kids and to the parents? 
Well, you see a lot of these athletes today where they say things like, don't let anybody tell you that you can't accomplish it because you can follow your dream. Well, that's just not realistic for a lot of kids. I mean, if you're Tom Brady and you, and you see a kid that's 5'10", 295 pounds, are you going to tell him he has a shot at the NFL? Don't let your dreams. I mean, there are regulations as far as size that the NFL won't look at you or college, D1 colleges. I think it's humorous when I see guys say, follow your dreams. You can accomplish this. Don't let anyone tell you you can't. Well, I think they're talking on a broader scope of life, not just the sport. When they say things like that, it just kind of makes me laugh because I think what people are thinking is, oh, he's telling me I have a chance to play in the NFL. I don't think that's what he's telling you. I think he's telling you that you can be a great person and a very productive human in society. But athletics, it's a little bit different. You went to the University of Pittsburgh. What was that transition like from high school to college? You see so many kids who you hear about them, they go to a school, and then within a year or so, they disappear. What about you, the transition? How difficult was that, and why did you make it and obviously stayed and played well in college and so many kids don't? Well, I think I had a big advantage, I'm not going to lie. Having three brothers ahead of me, my oldest brother, Brad, went on to Penn State and for the New York Giants. My brother, Todd and Sean, played at uh, University of Maryland. What an advantage to hear their stories and their experiences. That was a big help for me. Was that a lot of pressure on you? You felt like you had to? Joe, I never had any pressure. It was more like, at that point, I became very competitive. Jackie Sherrill comes into my house, gives me a little plane ride around Blair County, sitting down with having ice cream with my grandfather. And boy, I felt like I was a huge recruit that someone that they really wanted. And when I get there to camp, Jackie Sherrill doesn't even say hello to me. He's just walking around. And then about two weeks later in the camp, he says to me, he goes, it's a little different than Altoona, isn't it? And I started to like answer him and talk, and he was already gone, walking on to somebody else. So you get the feeling that right away, you know what, I got to make this on my own. This isn't a popularity contest. Joining us is Troy Benson, six years with the Jets organization. He joins us from Pittsburgh. If you look at that transition now going from college to pro, did you have aspirations to play professionally? Regardless, you said about your family had a great athletic background. At what point did you think, you know, I, I think I can make it in the pros now? Great question. I think the difference between me and, you know, a starting linebacker at Pitt back in the 80s and a starting linebacker today, I don't want to use the word pit, but a starting linebacker today, he's a junior, he's starting at Alabama, he's thinking about going to play pro football. I think, you know, they still want to win, they're still competitive, but my goal was to win a national championship at Pitt. I never thought about playing pro football. I never, ever thought about it until my senior year, and even then, I was more disappointed about how bad our team played that year than I was about trying to be a pro football player. It just kind of happens. You never even think about it. And the next thing you know, it happens. You were chosen in the fifth round. You're the 120th pick of the NFL draft. Do you remember that day and what were your feelings? Oh, yeah, of course I remember that. I'll never forget that. That was a day that I was hoping to get drafted higher than that. My brother Brad told me that the Giants told him that I'd probably be an eighth or ninth round draft pick. And Brad had no information on that whatsoever. He just wanted to help me 
get through the day and lower my expectations because when I got drafted in the fifth round, I was elated. And had I gotten drafted in the fifth round maybe a month before that, I would have probably been disappointed. So Brad really helped me out with that. I speak to a lot of former NFL players and two things that they talk about. And one is that when they initially go into the NFL, they ask themselves, do I really belong here? They feel insecure. And on the other hand, they feel I'm a really good football player and I do belong here. Did you have that where you went back and forth, sometimes feel insecure and other times like, hey, I do belong here? No doubt about it. Uh, I don't know who said that, but it takes words out of my mouth. I I, uh, hurt my ankle in my rookie camp and it was just so different. There were so many more one-on-ones and we did a lot of one-on-one drills with backs out of the backfield. I was having troubles covering the backs out of the backfield. I didn't do that at Pitt very often. We were basically a zone defense and not a lot of man blitz or anything like that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I hurt my ankle. I missed two weeks of camp and it just, it just was like, I was asking myself, you know, it wouldn't be so bad if I didn't make it and I could go home and, I played the game and didn't do very well. And Joe Walton said, hey, we think you have some potential. So we're going to put you in injured reserve for the year. So you can, you know, you get your ankle better. When it gets better, come back. You can practice and you can go to all the meetings with the team. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I had a year of studying and watching what it takes. And the following year, I was ready. I, I was determined to make it. And in 86, you played in 15 games, then 87-11, followed by 16, and then 16. Then the injuries, 1990, what happened? Yeah, I mean, my neck, it was just an accumulative thing. I just kept getting pinched nerves in my neck, and it just got to the point where I just couldn't really tackle anymore because the pinched nerves were just so painful. So that was pretty much the end for me. The author, John Updike, says that athletes have two lives. The first one, they die a little death because they realize their athletic career is over. Then they go on to life after football. What did you feel like when you realized that said, I can't play anymore? Was it like dying? No. You know, you have to be realistic. Every year, you know, I was there six years. Every year there's guys that are dead in the following year. And, you know, it's like the Grim Reaper. He's always available. You just have to keep in your mind that this isn't going to last forever. The NFL, I mean, not for long. That's what it means, you know. And I would say that I was a little bit bitter because I felt like I was still in great shape to play. And I was disappointed and all of that things because I was 27 years old. So you're 27 years old and your football career is over. You see so many guys who just have a real tough time dealing with that. What did you say? Do you remember what you were thinking, what you're going to do? Really, I should have prepared better. Everyone says you got to prepare, you got to prepare. And you, you never, I just knew that I'd find a job and I, I thought maybe sales would be good. And uh, that's what I did. I found a sales job with a guy that I joined a country club here in Pittsburgh, Swickley Heights, and met a guy there. And I, I was uh, groceries. I sold milk for a couple of years. And then uh, I decided that wasn't for me and moved on to my own business, where I've been in sales ever since. The pensions for the older players, I talked to so many guys who are not happy about how you've been treated. What about in your situation? There have been some updates with the new contracts with the yes. NFL. How have you been treated? Well... You know, everyone's going to, my age probably said it's not enough. I, they told us that we weren't going to live that long back then. 
So, you know, I took my pension early with that information, and that was a mistake. I should have waited till I was 55, but still better than nothing, that's for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I'd love it for it to be more. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they have enough to take care of the older players better than what they do. Let's put it that way. You look back at the business aspect of the NFL as compared to the fun of playing football, and does the business aspect make the game not as enjoyable at the NFL level? Well, there's no doubt about it. What have you done for me lately? When you can't play, you're done. You know, they, there's no, I, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how to explain it. But, you, you know, there's no way that they're going to keep you around if you can't play anymore. You know, I don't care who you are. So that's the sad part of the business part of it. You can be a great person, but if you can't do what they need, they're going to get rid of you. <laughs> you look back, what do you miss about football and what don't you miss? Well, I can tell you this. I, I, I'm pretty sure that every guy that you ask that question to is that the, you miss the locker room, the camaraderie of the game. Uh, it, you know, you miss that more than making a big tackle or uh, making an interception or it's some big play. I think you miss the guys and, and the camaraderie and the team, the team part of it. That's the thing you miss the most. Well, what don't you miss? I don't miss the film sessions, and we're going to get to that at the end of the story. <laughs> the film sessions were brutal back then. Uh, you know, I don't know what they're like today, but the coaches, I mean, if they'd, write, they'd run that film back and forth, back and forth. And if you had a bad play, it was it was brutal. That's what I don't miss. You look back, and are there times when guys want to constantly talk to you about football and playing at Pitt and playing in the NFL and you're sort of like let's move on from that I've talked to a lot of guys who say okay you know I'm I'm more than just a football player what about you are there times that sort of irritates you no not really I mean you know the thing that irritates me is when people say say things like well you know you, you probably couldn't play in the game today I'm thinking to myself well yeah maybe I could but the, the, those linebackers today maybe couldn't have played in our day you know, so it's, it's all relative. But I, I don't mind talking about it, but I just remind them, you know, it was 30 years ago. So what has helped you in life after football that you learned playing football that made you more, that would make you more successful now? Well, I think teamwork is, is a big thing, and I think uh, the social part of it, if you're an introvert and you hang out by yourself, your life's going to be like that. And uh, I'm a very social person, and that's why I got into sales and, you know, teamwork. You know, it's a big team. Even the organization, it's just one big team. And that's, you know, that's the way life is. You have to, you can't do everything on your own. You need, you need to be a part of a team. Some final moments with Troy Benson, who spent six years with the New York Jets organization. If you could go back and change anything, and I'm not talking about the injuries because there's really nothing you could do, but if you could go back and change anything about your career in football, what would you do? Yeah, I've never been one to do that and look back and say, I wish I could change everything. You know, I, there's times when I say, but I wish I wouldn't have hit with the crown of my helmet because we were taught that when I was younger to hit with the, you know, your face mask, stick your head in there. And I feel bad for these guys now because they're still trying to tackle like that and they're getting kicked out of games and stuff like that. Uh, so obviously I wish I, because my neck really got bad. It was probably because I hit with the, the, you know, with my helmet a lot. But anything else, I wouldn't change a thing. Well, I gave you a chance to think of a funny story and you've got to relate a funny story that has to do with a former coach. 
Well, you know, getting back to what we're, you know, with the things that I don't miss about football were the film sessions that you, you know, in front of your peers, get ripped in front of your teammates was tough to take. That was something I always really, really didn't like. And when you had bad plays, you know, you were going to get it, especially if you lost. Uh, But that brings me to the funny story because one day we were getting to the film where I I had a bad play and I knew I was going to get ripped. But what happened was the play came up on the film and it just kept going by. Bud Carson usually would run each play back. He'd find someone that did something wrong. But it went about 10 plays, and I had like three or four plays that were terrible. And I, I, he didn't even run it back. He's asleep running the film with a cigarette in his mouth. He's sound asleep, and he wakes up, and we just continued the film session. I was like, I got out of that. So Bud Carson had narcolepsy, so he would fall asleep. He could fall asleep anywhere. But... There was one day, that was the day that I loved when he fell asleep for that 10-play stint. <laughs> I mean, it might not be that funny to people, but if you know how b- bad those film sessions were, you get 10 plays that you don't have to run back and forth, it probably saved us about 45 minutes. <laughs> Finally, Troy, what's the future for you? Well, you know, I hope I'm healthy enough to retire at a young age and enjoy life and golf go to church with my family that's you know that's really all I, I live a simple life thanks for joining us on the rush friday feature thanks a lot all right thanks joe this is the morning rush thanks once again to joe shooter Catching up with former Pitt and New York Jets linebacker Troy Benson on today's rush friday feature if you missed any of it It'll be up on our podcast page on the free Podbean app uh, later on this morning. So I looked it up uh, while that interview was playing. Against my better judgment, in case you missed it earlier, (laughs) uh, you Penguins fans will understand the pain. Today is the David Volick anniversary back in 1993. Second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Penguins coming off back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, championships, I should say. That 92-93 team was better than the previous two teams. They were well on their way to a third straight Stanley Cup. And therefore, cementing themselves as a early 90s dynasty. Then came the Islanders. David Volek, who scored in overtime of Game 7. And I was talking about it earlier, and I was just making sure I got my, you know, my numbers right. Mario Lemieux, the great one, Le Magnifique, had 160 points that season. He missed 24 games while receiving treatment for Hodgkin's disease. If he had played an entire season, he's pushing... 190 points in that season, which is incredible. The one player I forgot, I said they had four players with over 100 points. Lemieux, I had Kevin Stevens, I had Ronnie Francis, I I forgot about Rick Tockett. They all scored four players over 100 points that season. 
and they got beat by the Islanders. <laughs> Still, to this day, a brutal, just an absolute brutal loss in the annals of Pittsburgh sports history. Not as bad as the Francisco Cabrera walk-off in Game 7 of the NLCS. Okay, Braves, not, not that bad. But it ranks up there. That team was so good. And it just it happens, right? In sports, it happens. Nothing you can do about it. That's why we love sports. That's why we're drawn to sports so much. Because you just never know. Just never know. So somewhere along the way, I, I missed, <laughs> I must have missed the resurgence of trading cards in this country. I knew they were kind of making a little bit of a comeback, a little rebound during the pandemic because people were stuck at home a lot and they were afforded a lot of time. I know a lot of people either went down into the basement which is, by the way, the worst place you can store your trading cards, okay? Keep them out of the wet, damp basements. Or they pull them out of the attic because we had time, right? A lot a lot of people dove back in to their sports trading cards. But apparently it's bigger than I thought. Because... Sports cards and other trading cards are in such high demand that some stores have had to take extra precautions when dealing with, uh, shall we say, over-exuberant collectors. Target released a statement earlier this week that it is temporarily stopping the sale of NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball cards as well as uh, the very popular Pokemon card, out of, out of caution for its customers and workers. According to Target, the increase in demand for these cards have led to massive crowds gathering to get the cards and it has led to, in some cases, actual violence. Now, earlier this year, Target had implemented a policy that limited customers to just three sports card items. That was eventually trimmed down to just one item. This is how in demand these things, I had no idea. One item per household, that was it. And the cards were also moved from the shelves, the general population shelves, back behind the customer service desk, probably right next to the cigarettes. And now they're not selling them at all. Target has stopped selling them altogether for now. And Target isn't the only one. Uh, What's the retail store? Is it Meijer? How do you pronounce that? M-E-I-J-E-R? Is it Meijer? They have adjusted their policies. They're limiting customers to only two items per transaction, and their cards are sold from behind the electronics desk instead of on the shelves. And these cards, again, apparently, they've become popular, again, because of the pandemic. 
people getting back into the habit, but there's been a huge increase in the prices on the secondary market. I remember back in the day, back in my youth, and even after that, I mean, trading cards were huge. I mean, the remember uh, what was what was the was it uh, what was the price guide? That was like the Bible of trade. Was it Beckett? Was it Beckett's uh, trading guide or something like that? Where they listed all the prices, like any card you can imagine, you could find a price for. Even if you had like a nineteen, I don't know, eighty-seven John Wayne or what? I don't even know. Did he play in eighty-seven? I'm not quite sure. But it was Beckett, right? That was that was the trading card guy. It was huge. Like the sports trading card market was massive. And then it just died. I mean, you still had your diehard collectors. You still had your, you know, diehard investors, your your buyers and your sellers. But for the most part, like sports, kids found other things like the Pokemon cards. Like, uh, what's the other one? Magic the Gathering, right? I got that right? Other trading cards kind of took over. But now here we, as, as with a lot of things, we're coming full circle. And sports trading, which makes me want to dive back into mine, which makes me want to pull Lord knows how many I have in my attic. Maybe, I don't know, does Beckett still make a trading uh, a, a trading card guy? I'm not quite sure. Beckett's was like the, it's like the, uh, the blue book, right? The automobile cars had the blue book value, Kelly's blue book. That's what Beckett's was. Every, every card had a value. I may have to go. I may have to see if I'm sitting on, you know, a couple diamonds, right? If I'm sitting on uh, uh, some some cash. I can't remember the last. I might as well sell them. I can't remember the last time I even looked at them. Now, Target did say that it will continue to sell cards online on its website. So they're not completely pausing the sale of these cards just <laughs> physically in the stores. Because people are losing their minds. I had I, I had no idea. And I think I, I stopped. I got out of the sports card trade loop when they started putting fewer cards in a pack and just jacking up the prices. When, whenever they started getting just ridiculous. Like, it used to be, uh, you know, like Topps, Fleer, Donruss, right? There were three or four. But all of a sudden, it just the cards got too crazy. And too fancy, and before, you used to get like twenty cards in a pack. Then it was like, all right, here's eight. You would get twenty cards in a pack for like fifty cents. Then all of a sudden, you can buy eight for three fifty. Like, who wants that? And that's kind of where I stopped paying attention. But apparently, it's big. It's back big time, baby. So dust off those old cards. Maybe you got uh, some retirement in there. Who knows? All right, one final break, and then back to wrap it up. Stick around. Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. A reminder, starting Monday, uh, we are starting an hour earlier, ending an hour earlier, so... Instead of 7 to 9, we'll be 6 to 8. So if you tune in at this time Monday 
and you don't hear me, that's why. I just, I saw this uh, on the Book of Faces from our sister station down the hall, uh, WQZK. It's a little uh, poll for the day. It says, if you could carry a mug or tumbler around all day that represents your current mood, what would it say? And then it says in parentheses, keep it clean, which automatically counts me out. So, <laughs> I don't know what my mug would say. It would probably just have a giant middle finger on it. If, if that's, if it, <laughs> if, it, if it represents my mood most of the time, that's what it would be. That's what it would be. Or it would just be blank. There'd be nothing on it. Just just, a, just one solid color. I don't know what it, I don't know what it would say. Stay away. <laughs> leave, leave, me, leave me alone. Probably okay, there it is. Here it is. Here it is. If I had to carry a mug around all day with something on it that portrayed my current mood, it would probably say, does it look like I care? That would be it. That would be it. What about my face makes you think that I care? That would be it. Anyway. Don't (laughs) forget tonight. We got Nationals baseball on this very station. The Nats heading out west. They kick off a weekend series against the Diamondbacks. Uh, pre-game is 9-10. Catch it right here. Tomorrow night, the Capitals begin their quest for their second Stanley Cup in franchise history. They open their first-round series against the Bruins in D.C., and we'll have that game for you. Game one of that best-of-seven series tomorrow at uh, pre-game 645, I do believe. I'm guessing because I haven't received a schedule yet from the Caps. So I'm assuming if it's a 7.15 start or 7-whatever start, 7.05, it's it's be 6.45. I may have to reach out and ask somebody. At some point tomorrow between like 6.45 and 7, we'll have Capitals playoff hockey. And for you Penguins fans out there, now we won't have the Penguins game because we're not a Penguins affiliate. But they start their first-round series Sunday at noon against the Islanders, which again stinks because that's my Sunday to work. I'll be in this building. Doesn't mean I won't find a way to watch it. I just won't be able to watch it at home. I'm just saying. Uh, before we get out of here, can I just uh, can I ask one thing? And this is completely non-sports related, but it's something that's been on my mind uh, lately. Uh, can we please? Can we please stop calling people on speaker? Is there any way we can stop that? Can can we start a petition? Can we start a movement to get people to stop either calling or as equally as bad answering your phone on speaker? Can we stop doing that? Because I have absolutely no idea Who is around you when you're doing that? At the very least, can we we replace the traditional hello 
with, I got you on speaker and I'm not alone. Can we at least do that? Because, and this is more my fault than anything, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth at any particular point in time. And I have absolutely no idea who's listening on the other end. So for the sake of people like me, could just answer, put the phone up to your ear. All right. Can, I mean, can we, seriously. Like, you ever see people walking around, like, holding their phone out in front of their mouths, talking on the speaker? Like, what's that all about? Like, move it up to your ear. It's, it's, it's like, it's literally like four inches away. And talk on the phone like a normal person. Quit putting people on speaker, whether you're calling them or you're answering the phone. Stop it. Because you're setting them up. <laughs> you're setting them up. I've gotten in trouble in the past for that, believe it or not. I know it's shocking. It is. When my brother calls me, or I call my brother, we immediately greet each other with some kind of profanity or off-color name. We name call. I know, I'm, in, I'm 50. He's, he's five years younger. We're, you know, and we still name call. We're brothers. What are you going to do? I've been caught. He's been in the car with his family. <laughs> <laughs> with his young children. And I just immediately start the conversation with, uh, yeah, a name. And then it's like, oh, I got you on speaker. Well, too late now. So quit doing that. All right. We're done. Thanks for listening. Remember, all new WCMD starting Monday. My show, Morning Rush from 6 until 8. See you then. 102.1 FM, AM 1230 for the last time. Cumberland's ESPN Radio. See ya!